2: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer. Coming up, a new documentary from PBS Frontline and ProPublica traces the rise of the modern militia movement, culminating with the storming of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Investigative reporter A.C. Thompson joins us to talk about the film American Insurrection and links between militias and former President Donald Trump. Then a beloved fourth grade teacher in Orange County comes under fire after she and her husband participated in storming the Capitol building. Some students and parents are calling for her to be fired and others are saying she did nothing wrong and was only expressing her First Amendment rights. We'll discuss the limits of self-expression. All that next on Forum, right after the news. Welcome to Forum, I'm Scott Schaefer, and we begin this hour with a disturbing and important new documentary titled, American Insurrection. It comes from PBS Frontline, ProPublica, and the UC Berkeley Investigative Reporting Program. And it traces the roots of the modern militia movement, groups like the Boogaloo Boys and the Three Percenters, and the Wolverine Watchmen, who are accused of plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, all the way to the storming of the U.S. Capitol by supporters of Donald Trump. We're gonna play a short clip from the documentary before we introduce our guest uh, and its investigative journalist, A.C. Thompson, talking about the uncertainty around election day and what could happen afterwards.
3: With tensions high on election day, Washington, D.C. boards up as if there were a hurricane headed for the city. A Trump victory could further embolden the far-right movements that see him as a champion. A defeat could further radicalize them. Throughout the year, the president had been whipping up fears that the election would be stolen. And as the night wears on, with no concession speech, no declared winner, the moment seems full of
2: danger. And joining us now to talk about the film is investigative journalist A.C. Thompson, who's been following these extremist groups for many years. A.C. Thompson, welcome to Forum.
3: Thanks for having me on.
2: Well, first of all, although that clip right there does uh, harken back to Donald Trump and the events at the U.S. Capitol uh, that would follow, uh, this project of yours, this film project, began well before all this. Uh, and it should be clear that the roots of this problem go back way before Donald Trump. Right? To, to give us a little primer, if you would, on on you know where this starts, at least you know going back uh, you know twenty, thirty years.
1: Right. So if you're going to talk about the the contemporary militia movement in the US, you really go back to the 1990s. And you see then a sort of real uh, activity on that front, a real surge in interest and um, people setting up their own groups. And the two real places where this is happening in a big way are Michigan and Montana. Since then, since the 1990s, you know, we get the whole string of things that happen. then. We get Tim McVeigh blowing up the Oklahoma City Federal Building. We get Ruby Ridge and the uh, standoff there. And we see that the militia movement kind of slow down and fall apart after that, only to ramp up again uh, when the Iraq War starts and when we get into the George W. Bush era you get a new wave of activity then, and that's the, the patriot, so-called Patriot movement. That's the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters, all these types that we're now hearing a lot about in connection to the uh, storming of the uh, Capitol. More recently, you get in the Trump days, you get a whole nother wave of this going on. And I, I would call that the, the Boogaloo Boys. I would say they represent the new wave. And they're sort of the... Super contemporary, very online, irony drenched, humorous <laughs> um, new militia movement. What's an example of their humor? Oh, well, first, that they call themselves the Boogaloo Boys, which <laughs> is a term that they that came out of far right chats online that basically people had looked at the movie Break Into Electric Boogaloo. The, 80s uh, breakdance movie and decided that that their term for civil war and insurrection would be boogaloo. And from there, things got um, both wacky and deadly. And so the group adopted Hawaiian shirts as a sort of uh, symbol, their, their trademark. So they go out with AR-15 rifles and body armor and helmets and Hawaiian shirts, which is uh, uh, unusual to say the least. Um, you look at Their um, online presence and it's all memes and irony and, you know, patches that'll say things like, I don't believe in anything. I'm just here for the boogaloo or something like that.
2: And what's the through line with these groups? I mean, going all the way back, say, to 1995, Timothy McVeigh, who, of course, uh, bombed the Oklahoma City Federal Building, uh, you know, with the more modern uh, groups like the Boogaloo Boys, the Proud Boys, and then the Three Percenters, which seems to be more of an umbrella group, if I understood yeah. the the documentary correctly. Yeah, you
1: got that fine point. That's great. I'm glad it came through. So, yeah, you know, I think a, a commonality that you will see between all these groups is they tend to build their politics from a sort of very extreme version of libertarian theory uh, and sort of subscribe to sort of fringe libertarian theory. They tend to be very anti-federal government, very interested in devolving government uh, in pretty dramatic ways. And they tend to be Or overthrowing the government (laughs) would be another way to put it. Mm -hmm. And they tend to be um, hyper-focused on what they see as the predatory overreach of federal agencies like the ATF, the DEA, the FBI. So I think those are commonalities you see between these different generations of militia groups. The Proud Boys live in their own special space as sort of an ultra-nationalist Street fighting gang, and they are really much more uh, like the hool- the nationalist hooligan gangs that you would get in Europe years back than th- than the rest of the militias. Though so there is some overlap.
2: Well, and we tend to, a lot of folks tend to identify these groups with white supremacists, neo Nazis, anti Semitic, and yet you know as you point out in the documentary, there are also at least in some cells uh, you have black, Latino, Asian. American members is that sort of is that sort of convenient for them I mean not to dismiss those folks uh, participation but it does allow them to say oh we're not white supremacists we have a diverse group of folks
1: yeah that's a that's a great point I think like really what we're trying to show with the film is that a few years ago at the time of Charlottesville the sort of ascendant perhaps the ascendant um, strain of radical ideas on the far right was the white supremacist Uh, idea and the white supremacist movement and sort of what happened after Charlottesville was like uh, akin to what happened to the militia movement after uh, 1995 in the Oklahoma City building. It kind of collapses. And so then what fills the void as the white supremacist movement is declining is a new militia movement, a new street fighting movement, a new ultra-nationalist movement. And when you look at the militias, they tend to be um, not openly racist, not obviously racist, often quite anti immigrant, often sort of white supremacist adjacent, but not uh, full on white supremacist. And it's very similar with the Proud Boys. You know, they uh, will tell you that they're not racist. They have members of color, they have leaders of color, but their politics really turn into this thing that's basically you could call it multicultural fascism or multi-ethnic fascism. In the film, I spend time talking to a proud boy who's wearing a shirt that says Pinochet did nothing wrong. Well, that's a a play on Nazi skinhead t-shirts from the nineties that would say Hitler did nothing wrong. Now it's Pinochet did nothing wrong. And they're referring to the Chilean fascist dictator. Um, So you see this sort of evolution,
2: you know, that sort of play on Pinochet and, uh, some of the other uh, things that these folks embrace I mean it suggests a certain level of sophistication and it's easy sometimes I think for those on the left and and others just to dismiss these folks as you know down and outers, not very smart, uneducated and that's not really the case uh, through and through right
1: no not that that's a that's a real good point you know there's definitely people I have met that their entire worldview seems to be stitched together from tweets, YouTube videos, and Facebook memes, right? But I also find people who uh, are steeping themselves in sort of arcane uh, literature about fascist movements in the the mid 20th century that are studying all different kinds of things and absolutely are, are quite bright.
2: We're talking to A.C. Thompson about his frontline documentary. It's called American Insurrection. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. This is a half-hour segment, so now is the time. If you have questions about these extremist groups, give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, it's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Um, you know one of the things that is striking about the evolution of these groups uh, a c is how they have somehow become anti police i mean there's a reference from somebody I think it's the the woman in Michigan that you're talking to maybe in or, at her front door uh, where she makes a, a reference to George Floyd and hey, if the cops can step on somebody's neck and kill him, then we can't trust the police essentially how how did that happen
1: yeah, yeah, so there's kind of two things going on there and what happened during 2020 was the boogaloo boys because they were already fixated on law enforcement and what they saw as government overreach they became what they perceived to be as allies to the racial justice movement um people in the racial justice movement would not see them that way because what happened is they showed up at protests and tried to kill police officers or uh, in some cases, allegedly did kill law enforcement agents. But they decided this is the strategic um, sort of alliance we're going to make. And we can see a commonality between George Floyd, between Breonna Taylor and Vicky Weaver, who was the white separatist killed in the Ruby Ridge standoff. And they'll wear patches that say, here are our martyrs, Vicki Weaver, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. It's kind of remarkable. Hmm. And there was a woman
2: shot at the Capitol as well, shot and killed.
1: Right, right. On the other hand, some of the other groups took a different position on the racial justice protest, and they were out there with... These were people like Kyle Rittenhouse in Wisconsin who went out to stop what they saw as lawlessness and chaos that came uh, with the protests.
2: We are... uh going to be continuing this conversation with AC. Let me give out the phone number one more time. It's uh, 866-733-6786. AC, coming up on a break, but a quick comment here. Michael tweets, how large are these groups? The Wolverine Watchmen uh, were less than a dozen. Tim McVeigh was a loner. Uh, Quick response, if you could, before we get to the break. You know,
1: nobody knows. It's impossible to really gauge the size of these groups. But I think what we've seen is when they're allowed to proliferate on Facebook and other social media, you see a lot of followers.
2: All right, we're gonna continue our conversation with AC Thompson about his frontline documentary. It's called American Insurrection. Check it out if you haven't seen it, very disturbing. It's streaming now on pbs.org slash frontline. And uh, the documentary, by the way, is in collaboration with ProPublica and UC Berkeley's investigative reporting program. Scott Schaefer here this hour, and we would love to hear from you. Again, the number to call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also email us. It's forum at kqed.org. Welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here this hour talking with A.C. Thompson about his frontline documentary, American Insurrection. Uh, this is just a half-hour segment, so now is the time to call. If you'd like to join us, it's 866-733-6786. Let's hear another shortcut from the film. And uh, this, again, is A.C. Thompson talking with Elizabeth Newman about how the White House thought Black Lives Matter was a threat, but not the Boogaloo Boys.
1: Among the counterterrorism community, we took it very seriously, but you really do need that presidential level leadership saying, this is a threat. We are going to use all of our tools to go after this threat. That never happened under Trump.
3: Elizabeth Newman was one of the top counterterrorism officials in the Trump administration. She says she tried to warn the White House about the rising threat of far-right extremists. But the president and his allies claimed the real threat was from Black Lives Matter and Antifa.
0: Does Antifa exist? It's not an organization, it's a movement. You have groups of people that associate with them. Do they show up at protests? Sure. Is it a massive conspiracy to overthrow the US government and kill a lot of people? No. You know where that is? It's on the right. It's in the white supremacist movement. It's in the anti-government militia movement. It's in the Boogaloo Boy movement.
2: AC, you know, the FBI moved very quickly uh, to investigate and arrest a lot of people after January 6th. That was not the case with Charlottesville in 2017. And just listening there to Elizabeth Newman about uh, the president's attitude about these groups... Um, what are, you know, it wasn't until really you and your team got involved in some of these, uh, activities that the FBI and others, uh, you know, kind of started moving in and taking it more seriously in some cases, what accounts from that? Does it really, you know, does it start at the top? Was it Jeff Sessions, the former attorney general? I mean, where did that attitude, uh, that sort of hands-off attitude come from?
1: You know, it's, it's hard to say what I think a part of it is though, is I don't think that in the early days of the Trump administration, the Bureau had a lot of aptitude in dealing with um, white power groups and this type of domestic extremist. I think they really had not been thinking about sort of militias, uh, white power movement, these types of people for years. And what I saw over the past several years is uh, a, very, uh, a very rapid increase in the Bureau's abilities And their investigative skills around this and sort of i think that's part of it is simply like a lack of um, institutional knowledge at the field office level
2: yeah i want to ask you there were a number of uh, individuals in the film who are sort of highlighted one of them is michael miscellus who's with the rise above movement and i I believe he worked at northrop grumman he had a national security clearance and ties to the military. How how concerning is this to you? And and more importantly, I guess to the you know to the FBI that you've got these military folks who are coming out and being recruited.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think it is a significant problem. And you know, obviously, there's a massive workforce. I believe it's like 1.5 million people in the armed forces. You're talking about a very small minority of them that get involved with extremist groups. But the problem is is that you're talking about people who have training in weapons, in explosives, in combat tactics. And with these modern militia movements, white power movements, we see a lot of overlap. So uh, I, I, along with my colleagues, identified 20 Boogaloo boys who were current or former military, including 13 who'd been uh, charged in serious crimes. My partners at the UC Berkeley Journalism School identified 15 active-duty airmen who were pushing Boogaloo content on Facebook. And it's a big problem. I think what you're seeing with the new administration is a much, much more aggressive approach on extremism in the ranks.
2: Although, in you know, in fairness, I guess, uh, you know, these really intense investigations and the arrests uh, began pretty quickly after January 6th. And of course, Biden wasn't president yet. Why do you think... That happened, <laughs> you know. It was, and was it? You know, it was also, I think, notable that Bill Barr, the Attorney General, resigned before the end uh, of of Trump's term. I mean, you know, how, is there anything interesting that ties all, all of that together? Yeah.
1: So it, it's two things here. With the with on the the military side, that was really catalyzed. That strong action. They're now rewriting policy. They're doing uh, military wide trainings. That was catalyzed by January sixth and by the presence of military figures, uh, mostly veterans at the insurrection. Before the insurrection, in the year before the insurrection, what you saw was, I would say, quite quite impressive detective work by the Bureau to arrest people who had violent intentions and and were planning to sow chaos and try to overthrow the government. So there were a string of arrests before you even get to the Capitol. When you get to the Capitol, Clearly, there were intelligence failures. Clearly, there were operational failures. But the Bureau was, I think, poised to do some big work at that point. I want
2: to ask you about another uh, person in the film, Stephen Carrillo, who uh, is accused of killing two men, including a security guard at the Federal Building in Oakland. And of course, when that happened, that first drive-by shooting, Trump blamed Antifa. Tell us about him, what his ties were, and you know, how is it that he was you know, confused with Antifa, or was that just willful ignorance?
1: You know, uh so Stephen Creo is a staff sergeant. He's assi- was until he was arrested, uh assigned to Travis Air Force Base just up the road from uh the Bay Area, and he was a-, a member of an elite security unit called the Phoenix Ravens that is dispatched to sort of forward operating bases around the world to uh defend uh Air Force material and personnel. He got deep into the Boogaloo movement, we believe, in the last year and a half. He'd already had sort of uh, somewhat radical politics, but got into that movement, joined a militia, was in these Facebook groups. And then when the racial justice protests start jumping off, he allegedly sees that as his moment to try to tip United States into an all-out civil war. And so, allegedly, that's why he goes to Oakland with a conspirator and unleashes a barrage of fire from a 9 millimeter ghost gun, a basically untraceable weapon.
2: We're getting uh, to the bottom of the hour. I want to read a couple of quick comments here. Uh, Curtis writes, Trump is a beta test, the next populist claiming that he or she represents, quote, the people will be a far craftier politician and will seek to align the insurrectionists and will uh, not be so easily seen by the electorate. And I want to I ask you a question as we uh, close out this segment AC. Uh, you know, the, we have this uh, recall movement against uh, uh Governor Gavin Newsom. And, you know, some on the anti-recall side are uh, sort of trying to highlight the ties between some of the organizers, some of the leaders of this group with some of these, uh, you know, the anti-maskers and the anti-vaxxers and even some of the white supremacist groups. You know, based on your reporting, how fair is that connection, do you think?
1: Scott, it's so so interesting. Like, when I look, at the parlor accounts for these type of extremists who were at the Capitol, who were breaching the Capitol, um, who were at the Stop the Steal marches. Their accounts, honestly, look in many ways a lot like the, the social media accounts of a lot of fairly mainstream Republicans these days. I think there's been a lot of blending of the extremists and the conspiracy theorists and the sort of mainstream of the party at this point.
2: Well, and, you know, with, with all of this, you know, there are legitimate concerns and questions about, say, you know, government edicts around the pandemic. I mean, you don't have to be a white supremacist to, to feel like your business has been hurt, uh, by some of the shutdown orders. I mean, how do you, as you think about this very complicated issue, how do you, you know, go about separating the various strands of uh, dissatisfaction out there?
1: That's a great point. And I was actually just talking about this earlier this morning. You know, the pandemic has been obviously this incredibly traumatic experience, and you can't blame people at a certain level for feeling very suspicious and very angry when they are losing their businesses, when the government has failed them, when half a million people have died, and when you also had a president who was sort of stoking the conspiratorial around uh, the um, pandemic. So I think that those are understandable uh, inclinations. I think the problem is, is that you didn't have leadership from the top to uh, allay people's fears and say, hey, look, this is terrible, but we are going to make you whole. And yes, this is really a disease. Yes, it will really kill you and you should wear a mask. You know, I think that's a big part of the problem.
2: All right, we've been talking to AC Thompson about his Frontline documentary American Insurrection. It's now streaming on pbs.org/frontline, YouTube, and in the PBS Video app and we should say the documentary is in collaboration with ProPublica and UC Berkeley's investigative reporting program. AC Thompson, thanks so much for your reporting and thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.